Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Celebrating the royal hours, we are brought into the heart of the scriptures and the themes of this great feast. The church serves the royal hours three times in the year. There's year. There's royal hours for Christmas, royal hours for Theophany, and then royal hours on Holy Friday. And the royal hours are basically the hour, the typical hours of the church, first, third, sixth, ninth hour, uh, interspersed with special hymnody and extra uh, readings according to the feast. And it is being brought especially into this feast of Theophany, the great themes uh, that run through the entire scriptures, the whole narrative of scripture. And it is especially strong, because when we come to these feasts, it's like looking at the bouquet of flowers. It's like, which aspect does one begin to contemplate? And I encourage you, it's something I always have the duty or responsibility to preach, so I'm always trying to look and pick which flower do I want to try and, you know, pull out and say, look at this one. But to hear this hymnity, to read uh, the scriptures, to be hit, because in some ways, right, we're in, this is theophany. Some of us have done this since we can remember toddling around. Some of us have done this for a few years. Some of us have done this over a decade, etc. And there is so many different ways in which to have your eyes, your mind, your heart opened up and to see new aspects of the glory of Christ and what he has done for us and for our salvation. And the theme that really jumped out at me this evening was the theme of the prophets. There is the backbone, of course, when we think of the Old Testament, we think of the law and the prophets and the Psalms, but especially the prophets, and they're almost always what is drawn from. Tomorrow when we do the Vesperal Liturgy, there will be large swaths of readings from the prophets, where God, in renewing his covenant, chooses to speak to his people through particular men and women so as to awaken Israel, to always use a lot of the same language having on Sunday preaching about Joshua, and then hearing Isaiah, uh, and just hearing again the commandments, right? Here's the law given to Moses. The Moses has his successor, Joshua. What is the first hymn at every single hour that we start off with? It's Elijah giving over the mantle with his second, he wanted a second dose, like a, a double dose, right? Uh, of the spirits given to Elisha. We have John the Baptist, the forerunner, giving over, realizing, all right, this has been my ministry, and now the fulfillment has come. That we have this prophetic strand that is throughout Scripture, where there is one who is brought forward, who leads, but then their time comes, and then there is a fulfillment. Or there is a continuation of that ministry. There is, of course, at all of these, there's also the juncture of water, right? At the Jordan. There is, or the crossing of the Red Sea and the entrance into the Promised Land with Jordan, with uh, Joshua. 
you have it happening at the River Jordan where Elijah is ha handing on to Elisha his uh, prophetic ministry. You have now, of course, the Lamb of God who approaches and John the Baptist declaring to all in astonishment, how is, how am I going to baptize you? Because all of these strands, all of this fulfillment, all of these forms that God created for us to be able to actually see Jesus. A lot of scripture in all of its depth and all of these different ways of speaking uh, are all kind of, I'll say, poetic ways to draw us into who God is. I mean, it really could be, if you think about this, God could have just said, this is who you need to listen to. He could have just said it to everybody, <laughs> right? Here's the manual of how to be a Christian, right? This is who you need to follow. And he just says, you know, one, two, three. But he gives us the poetry, the beauty of all of these images. Water. Water in its creative power, right? We need water to live. Water that is scary, if you've ever been uh, in the white waters of the rapids of a river to the a ocean, or even just a lake, and you just feel some of the coldness in your feet when you're swimming in that lake, and you're like, this goes really deep, and what touched me, right? <laughs> there is, in all of these feasts, these kind of primal, uh, but then uh, full ways that in our experience, we can bring to them and then see in each and every one of these images, these experiences, as we can see the fulfillment in our Lord. Just as I mentioned in the homily on Sunday, where St. Amphilochios talks about circumcision and why God desired circumcision to be a sign of the covenant, it was like painters who do a sketch first before they start painting, so that they know this is about the dimension, this is how, where the strokes need to go. It's not fulfilled, it's not painted yet. And this is what we hear through Isaiah. This is what we see in the fulfillment. Finally, God comes in the flesh, and we've been celebrating that as Christmas. But now we have God in the flesh, who is now coming to fulfill righteousness, who's come to fulfill all of the Old Testament, all that the prophets taught, all that the prophets did. He is now the Lamb of God, the Word of God, who's come to do everything that they couldn't do. If you think about all the prophets, what was the issue with Moses? He didn't obey, right? He struck a rock instead of talking to a rock. Quite a test of faith. Talk to this rock and it'll be water. No, Moses, impatient, typical guy, hits it instead of actually you know, asking for directions or looking at the manual. He just wants it to go. He wants it to happen. Elijah, Elisha, all men with weaknesses. But we come to our Lord and we see the fulfillment. God in the flesh. God who has come and made things clear by painting, fulfilling, bringing entirety of life. The law, the prophets, the psalms, the history of Israel, all complete, all fulfilled, and now our Lord, who, as one of the hymns talks about, has come to find Adam in the depths, right? To bring up Adam, to restore him. 
So let us, I'm going to keep pulling on this metaphor, I guess. Let's swim in the deep waters that is given to us in this feast. Let us uh, drink in as much as possible the truth of God uh, incarnate, but God not just incarnate, but who has begun his mission, his ministry, his completing and fulfilling all righteousness, such that the one without sin is going to be baptized because he's coming after us to save us, to do everything that we couldn't do. He's going to now do it in the perfection of God and bring us back to the relationship with his Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as St. Athanasius tells us, he took on a body so that we can, in our bodies, receive the Spirit. So let us remember and soak in as much as possible the themes of this feast and the great salvation that God has worked in His Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.